Welcome. This is Anastasia Glova bringing you the Cato Daily Podcast. Be sure to log on to our website, www.cato.org, for a full archive of our podcast as well as many other audio offerings. Medicare is the greatest trick the devil has ever played, a massive government program that promotes all seven deadly sins as it drives the United States towards financial ruin. That is the secret revealed in David Hyman's Medicare Meets Mephistopheles, a new book published by the Cato Institute that takes a sharp, satirical look at how Medicare is spending itself into insolvency. David, an adjunct scholar at Cato and professor of law and medicine at the University of Illinois, joins us on the phone for a discussion of his book. Why did you write this book? Well, I'm a law professor and I write a fair amount about healthcare financing and regulation, and Medicare is a very important piece of that. It buys a lot of healthcare, it has a real impact on the way the healthcare marketplace looks. It's also a program that has some huge problems, quality problems and cost problems. And the striking thing is everybody knows about those, but nobody seems to be doing much about them. And there have been books and books and books and articles and white papers and so on written about it, and they collect dust in the library. And so rather than write another one of those dusky, dusty books, destined for oblivion, I decided to try and write something that was more publicly accessible, something satiric about the program. I think my basic attitude was if you actually look closely at the program, you'll either laugh or cry, and I much prefer laughing. The book basically purports to be a manuscript that I found. It's a memo from a junior underling demon in the Department of Illness and Satanic Services, or DIS to Satan reporting on how their plans to undermine the American Republic with a program that corrupts everyone and everything it touches is going. And the program corrupts people because it incorporates all seven of the deadly sins, and it also undermines the distinctively American virtues of thrift and truth-telling. And so the book has individual chapters on each of the sins, which are avarice, gluttony, envy, sloth, lust, anger, and vanity. And then it has a chapter on those virtues of thrift and truth-telling, and then it has another chapter that focuses on the risks of exorcism, i.e. reform proposals that would move the program away from its current trajectory and make it do the sorts of things that it ought to be doing, in my view. Let's talk about greed, gluttony, and sloth, for example. Well, avarice, or greed, is basically the 1.3 million providers who get paid by the program and sort of ceaselessly agitate for more money, and they elbow one another to try and do better than their competitors. And so you see all sorts of interesting lobbying and manipulation of the process. I think the bigger problem, though, is the way that the Medicare program is structured. It pays people based on their inputs, how many procedures they do, how many patients they see. It doesn't pay them at all based on whether they're actually delivering high-quality health care and whether their patients are getting better. And in that regard, it's actually like a lot of the rest of the American health care system, except it's worse because the Medicare program doesn't have a variety of the tools that other parts of the market use to improve the quality of care. There have been, to be fair, some recent moves by the Medicare program to do more to buy higher quality health care, what's called pay for performance, but there's a long way to go. So that's avarice or greed. 
Gluttony is the program beneficiaries, the Medicare program really has become a sort of reverse Robin Hood scheme. It takes from the working poor and the lower middle class and it disproportionately gives to the upper middle class and the wealthy. So what we end up doing is forcing single working mothers who don't have health insurance to pay for the health care of wealthy retirees living in Florida and Arizona. Obviously, not everybody who receives Medicare is wealthy, but that's the way the flow of money does go. And if you sort of look in the history of Medicare, you can find various examples that show the one-way ratchet that this program works. It started as a way of sharing the costs of care between the elderly and the taxpayers, and over time the balance has shifted significantly towards the taxpayers paying a larger and larger share. Sloth affects two distinct groups, legislators and program administrators. Legislators understand the kinds of financial challenges that the program faces, but they really haven't done anything about it. And when they do something, they tend to make the problems of the program worse, and that's tremendously disconcerting. And I think program administrators are slothful, particularly with respect to the quality of the services that they're purchasing. There have been, as I said before, some promising developments, but the basic design of the program, as well as the allocation of responsibility between physicians and other healthcare providers and the program administrators, has left the administrators with pretty few tools and not much enthusiasm for trying to use Medicare's purchasing power to improve quality of care. And when they do try and do things, that ends up affecting the flow of money. And so the providers that are affected by that run to their elected representatives who then lean on the program administrators to find somebody else to pick on. And so the result is sloth really becomes the dominant strategy for program administrators. And if God were to intervene, what might such a reform package look like? Well, that's a difficult question. We're pretty far down the road of the program's burdens being unsustainable, I think the first thing to do is not make things worse, okay? So you don't want to add benefits without coming up with a sensible way of financing them. And if you do add benefits and you don't have a better way to finance them, then we've already got you want to cut other benefits. It should not be just adding on things without making hard trade-offs. I think an important strategy is going to be thinking part about means testing for program beneficiaries. There's really no reason why we should have this reverse Robin Hood scheme operating in the way that it does, and we ought to move. And in fact, we've seen significant political movement towards means testing of the program. I think we need to do more of that. Another strategy would be for Congress, rather than just having it as an entitlement program, to think hard about moving to a defined contribution approach where they decide how much money they wish to spend on Medicare and they can either cut vouchers for people in the amount that that ends up working out to or come up with a variety of other strategies for controlling the cost of the program. I think in terms of improving quality, more competition in the program and better use of Medicare's purchasing power would make a lot of sense. But I think it should really be clear by this point we can't just continue business as usual. The program's roughly $70 trillion in the whole if you compare its current obligations to its expected revenues. That's a lot of money. And how large do you think the threat of exorcism, as you put it, looms? Well, Norman Stein, who was a well-known economist, said all unsustainable trends stop. Okay, so this one's going to stop. The only question is when and how bad's the disruption going to be. The sooner we make decisions about changing the trajectory of the program, the more control we'll have and less disruption will be 
both for program beneficiaries, but also for the rest of us. This has been Cato Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening.